0: Hello there, and welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Norton. Here in episode 12, I'm going to chat with Jesse Martin, a holistic business coach. We talk about how therapists and counselors can use their expertise to be highly paid online consultants and ethically attract their dream clients. Jesse will answer questions such as, can therapists do consulting and coaching? How much should you charge? How do you get clients? And how do you pick a niche? Let's get started. Have you been wanting to start your private practice, but you can't seem to take that first step? Maybe you're afraid of failure or lack confidence, or maybe the idea of running your own practice is overwhelming. I'm Cindy Norton, owner of Mountain Practice Journeys, and I help therapists and counselors to love the business side of private practice. I'll share with you practical skills and advice, along with a healthy dose of inspiration so that you can be on your way to the practice of your dreams. Put on your hiking boots and let's get going. If you haven't yet listened to episode 11, I urge you to do that. In that episode, I discuss what to do about those credit card processing fees. Now, here's my interview with Jesse. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Jesse.
1: Awesome to be here. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Um, So Jesse Martin is a holistic business coach and he's here today to talk with us about how therapists and counselors can use their expertise to be highly paid online consultants and ethically attract dream clients. Um, So I think that's an amazing topic and I'm really excited to get into it. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business?
1: Yeah. Beyond what you just said, I mean, first of all, I mean, this is such a fun industry and business and work to do. My background is actually as a hypnotherapist. I worked for years, Doing hypnotherapy. And a lot of people think it's like stage hypnosis. What I'm really talking about is like the deep personal work around anxiety and depression and even people who've overcome trauma. And that's where I started. I just had a desire to help people. And, you know, years later, almost like nine years later, just kind of by I say popular demand, people asked for so much advice so often that I transitioned into becoming a business coach full-time while still doing a little bit of the hypnotherapy on the side. But Happy to share any pieces of those that you think might stand out as like the big areas that would help whoever's listening right now.
0: Yeah, I find that that's a common theme. I feel that that's what happened to me. I think a lot of coaches and consultants fall into what they're doing because people are curious and asking them questions and they see you as an expert in doing whatever it is that you do. Um, So I think a lot of times therapists may uh, may already know what they might want to coach or consult on because it's something that they're interested in and that other people are coming to them for advice. Um, So I see that that's what what happened to you as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, it definitely did happen to me. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the big things is that therapists are a little leery about how to become a coach or a consultant and does it mix? What if I'm coaching on the same topics that I'm doing some therapy around or consulting around that and the ethics related to that? So I know that that's a big question, but what about the association between um, coach and therapist?
1: Yeah. Well, that's such a good question because that is a legitimate concern and rightfully so because, you know, you have a license at stake. And if you spent all this time and money getting licensed or maybe you're newly licensed, you don't want to just throw that out or put it at risk. And first of all, I think an important question to answer is why would someone even want to do consulting or coaching? Because, you know, this expertise that you might have as a therapist, as a counselor, you know, there are so many benefits to helping people. And there are rules and guidelines set up for a reason as a therapist, as a counselor to protect your clients and to protect you, right? Mm -hmm. But the downside and the challenge of many, many therapists that I've worked with and my own personal challenges that I've had was that for one, you know, your state licensor, you can only work with people just in your local area. Yeah, Mm -hmm. of course you can get multiple licenses, right? But that is a downside because maybe there's people to right across the border. And I, I see this a lot. I have a community online where I see some people saying, Oh, I wish I could walk, uh, work with someone right across the border, but their town is just, just out of reach. So I can't work with them and that type Mm -hmm. of thing, or maybe, and you might relate to this as well, where you might have a semi-full or like full caseload of clients, but then you're spending half your time doing documentation work and notes and all this stuff you're not paid for, which can start to burn you out where you just want to help clients Mm
0: -hmm. and all
1: these things you don't have to worry about as a coach, as a consultant, but you brought up something really important is to do it ethically, to do it legally. Um, there are guidelines you need to follow.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know that it can be really frustrating for therapists, especially with COVID and everything and doing the teletherapy. And I think it's, it's coming down the road, hopefully that there will be some type of national licensure, but still it's, um it's really tough to be able to work with people and what if you have a client that you've been working with for a year and they decide to move but they yeah. don't want a new therapist and then you're not yeah. allowed to work with them anymore and what about clients that go on vacation and is it you can only work with them maybe if it's for a short amount of time or what about clients that travel for work and they they're you know traveling all over the United States or all over the world and how do we um practice ethically and sometimes i go back to i think it's ethical that we would be able to continue treatment with our clients no matter where they're physically located at so i'm hoping that that's something that it's moving toward uh, but it can be really frustrating just the borders of the states and and how that's a barrier to continue treatment with some clients
1: yeah so true and to kind of give you some hope you know if you've ever thought about doing consulting you know as you hear this and you're just not sure what is that ethical line? Like, how do I do this? How do I keep a, you know, a fine line or maybe a, a good boundary between those, you know, after helping dozens and dozens and dozens of therapists really do this well and do it successfully. You know, I of course can't give legal advice, but here's what I hear over and over again is like some of my students who are like super like into say type A researchers, they want to know, make sure everything's done by the book. Mm-hmm. They will call the licensing board in their state And, you know, it's probably 15, 20 states all give the same answer so far. And they've always said, you can do consulting, you can do consulting uh, and coaching or educational programs or or teach people, but you can't have dual relationships. You can't cross over the boundaries. So if you have a counseling client, don't make them a consulting coaching client Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Like wherever you start, you know, you just have to present yourself legally. You have to present yourself you know, be upfront about exactly what you're doing to start.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it's great that you've been able to hear from so many different states of, you know, where your clients have reached out and got a similar advice from all their states where it's like, you know, if someone starts as a counseling client, they stay as a counseling client. And if they start as a coaching or consulting client, they stay as that client and, and yeah. having that distinction.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then once you kind of get over the discomfort or the fear, of putting yourself out there in a different way. Like you might have your counseling website, your therapy website, and that's great. Keep it. But then let's say you just want to create like a nice stream of income to give you that financial security. And then, you know, once you're making great money, you're taking care of your needs and not having to work long hours or just take on more and more clients to be able to save up for retirement or pay for your kid's college or all those things, you know, you get over the discomfort then the world, the sky's the limit, like you have so much potential because you look at some great names out there. I love people like Brene Brown or Uh these, there's a lot of people who are licensed therapists, licensed mental health practitioners who are doing coaching and education and consulting. And they're big names. I mean, they're multimillionaires in many cases, but even if you just want, you know, just a few hundred thousand, you just want to like make a good living, help people. You could still do your other thing on the side as well.
0: Uh Yeah, yeah, I think that's great because I have noticed, um, especially recently, therapists are getting really burnt out um, doing yeah. therapy all the time. Um, but I know a lot of therapists, they don't want to um, leave. The therapy world. They don't want to not be a therapist, but it could be that they have this other outside passion or a passion that's related that they could do some coaching and consulting around. And like you said, maybe have um, just a higher paid tier of these services and that will help you out financially while you can continue to have the mental and emotional capacity to do your therapeutic work and do it really well.
1: Yeah. And I think it's really important to know what consulting and coaching even is. Cause I think a lot of people have heard that term, but they don't even know what that means. You know, there's a lot of different things you could describe as consulting or coaching. And honestly, like coaching doesn't really do justice to your expertise. I don't love the term because, you know, unfortunately, maybe fortunately, but unfortunately anyone can call themselves a coach because uh-huh. it's not a regulated field. That's a downside because, you know, it, you don't know if someone's credible. The upside is you could call yourself a coach and consultant and teach something or train someone or even meet with someone let's say you're a consultant and you're really good let's say you start as a therapist but you become a consultant part-time and you really just want to go into let's say someone who's a business owner help them through their like personal mental stress but you can't or don't want to do therapy with them because they're outside your state or they're somewhere else well if you keep a completely separate maybe you could have like weekly educational sessions with them you're not doing therapy and just offer your expertise give them guidelines teach them something that they can use and it might completely change your life and here's what's cool is like you said Cindy you you could charge a few thousand dollars you could you know really help them in a big big way you're well paid it's a win win and it's just this you know i don't know if you've ever heard this term gig economy but it's like it's the economy of doing you know pieces of work without it being a full-time job and it's just so much flexibility it gives you
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's really great. And just thinking about the money side of it, how do you, uh, how do people usually decide what to charge for the for this different service since it is maybe a premium service or or something that you want to be um, you know to bring in a little bit more income? Uh, so what are some thoughts on pricing packages and services?
1: Yeah, this is funny topic because it's sort of a sensitive subject mm-hmm. of money because it's not about the money. Yeah, We didn't get into this work. I didn't get into this work for money, but if you're not paying yourself well and you're not doing it in a sustainable way, it will lead to burnout. You're not going to provide for your family as well as you could, or be able to save for retirement or even provide for your own mental health or physical health, right? Mm -hmm. Because all those things, uh, we live in a world that takes money. So first of all, you got to be comfortable with earning money. Like I usually do some deep mindset work around being willing to receive money because you know if you're uncomfortable with the fact that you're charging someone even especially like a high price, you know the limit is you know whatever you're comfortable with
0: actually mm-hmm. yeah,
1: so I'm not going to give you like you should charge a hundred or a yeah. thousand or a million, but here's the thing is let's think about like the value you're providing to someone you know if you could and I love the example of like a therapist who might do consulting or education or coaching with someone who maybe is a business owner because there are so many business owners or let's say a high stress corporate job and you're helping someone who's in a high stress corporate job, let's say a lawyer and you're helping that person and let's say you help them save an hour a day because they're not self-sabotaging and being a perfectionist and judging themselves and procrastinating and you could help them through all those things. You might provide value to them that helps them earn an extra $20,000. That's just Mm -hmm. financial return let alone their own health. Like now you help them. So they have the self-love to go work out. And Mm -hmm. now like, what is the value of that? Like if you're providing a hundred thousand dollar in value to them, Mm -hmm. like it's not a big deal to charge maybe five or $10,000. Yeah. And it's, it's a win-win for both people, isn't it?
0: Definitely. Yeah. And with pricing, I think, because um, I, I have an episode about, um, it's titled, Why You Shouldn't Charge What You're Worth. Um, but it's just a catchy title in thinking about, we can't put a, a price on our worth or how, we, how wow. we help people. And it really does sometimes come down to basic math. Like, what, what amount of income do you need to live the life that you want to live so that you can be healthy and be the therapist that you need to be the consultant that you need to be for your clients and really show up in that real authentic way and give, um, you know, all of yourself and your expertise. So sometimes it is playing with the numbers a little bit and not putting it, um, like, uh, like what you're worth. It's what do I need to live a really great life and to help other people while doing that?
1: Yeah. Worth. It's like, we're worth priceless. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you even put a value on yourself and like what you're providing to someone? And is your worth based on your own self-perception? Like, what if you've had some really big challenges in life? Or personally, I grew up really poor, not crazy poor, but like, you know, very low income for a family of five. And so I have all these old beliefs that like, oh, a hundred dollars feels like a lot, even though like my business is thriving and like I doing better financially than I ever have. But these old thoughts and old mm-hmm. feelings come up of like what is the value of $100 and $10,000 or $100,000? All these numbers, money's made up. Yeah. It's all made up. It's a game.
0: (laughs) Uh huh. And another thing about pricing, like whatever you price something, people are going to self-select in or out if they're willing to pay that. So I don't think we need to feel guilty for uh, charging higher prices for something that is really going to give a big return uh, just because it seems like a big dollar amount uh, based on our interpretation of it because you can put your price on something and people can look at it and then they can decide if they want to you know purchase it or not and that's that's their decision so you're not un- unduly influencing anyone it's like this is what it costs to work with me and i promise i will um you know deliver for you i'll be present i'll do my best and support you through this and then yeah they can decide if that's what they want to do
1: yeah like this happens a lot. And people who are working in mental health, you know, this is the industry I've been in and helping people in. And what I see a lot is people saying something like, and they might not say it exactly these words, but it's like a similar thought of like, well, I don't want to be out of reach of anyone. I want to be able to help everyone. And so you might think that if I charge, let's say, you know, I told my, a lot of my clients to start at just say 5k for your 5,000, for your consulting, your coaching, mm-hmm. you set a price But you might have these fears of like, well, what about all the people that can't afford it? Mm -hmm. Well, now, is it unethical? Is it bad? Is it wrong? Is it evil to like charge that? Well, if you're just doing it out of greed and you're not providing a value, yeah, that's probably not ethical. Yeah. But is it unethical that there are cars out there that cost $250,000? Is it bad that that car exists? Or let's say like you have a really beautiful like uh, Dolce & Gabbana handbag purse. Is it evil? Is it wrong that... Someone makes a purse that's that expensive. Well, no, it's there's a market for whatever you charge. Mm -hmm. And here's what's really, really, really cool is like if you charge a premium price and provide good value, there's lots of strategies to make sure you're providing that value. But let's say you charge a premium price, $5,000, $10,000, and you're providing good value. What that allows you to do is if you have one client that pays you that much, you have all this extra time, you have this extra income, what can you do with your extra time and income? You could do pro bono work. You could create a free program. You could fr- create a free service. You could charge on a sliding scale for all the other clients. It basically lets you get from a full cup. Like I know there's a lot of therapists who are moms. Like it's like the mom conundrum. Like, do you give everything? And then your cup's empty. And then like, what do you have to give to your kids? Like you have to give to yourself as well so that you can give more to others.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that, that you brought that up because that's so important I think a lot of people don't see it that way, but I see it as by charging a higher price, you're better able to serve the clients that maybe couldn't even afforded you before you upped your prices or when you were at just like a a normal rate, whatever that is. Um so you yeah. can do a lot of that pro bono work mm-hmm. if you have some higher paid services and and give back in so many other ways.
1: Yeah, and it's similar, you know, if you have to bill insurance, it's like it's really hard like, let's say you have to bill insurance and at your full rate, but then you only receive a portion of that. What does that do to you long-term? If you're not getting paid what you fully deserve, if you're not get, you're not actually receiving and in your bank account, like what you need to live or to provide for your kids or provide for your family, like, what does that do to you? If you don't charge what you're really worth? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And thinking about this, whenever you're, um, creating, maybe this other offering or this program, or you want to branch out into becoming a coach or a consultant, Uh, what have you seen that's helped people maybe decide on a niche? Like they might have an idea of what they want to do, but then trying to settle in on, do I do something similar to what I'm doing in my therapy? Is it going to be something totally different? Um, How do you help people with deciding on a niche for their offering?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, a niche is like a, a group. Like what are you focused on? What is your specialty? And a lot of people have heard of this idea, like I need to choose my niche. Well, a niche is not men or women or an age range, in my opinion. Yes. A lot of people define it that way. I define a niche as a problem that people are looking to have solved.
0: A oh, problem that. That people,
1: if you think of it that way, your niche is a problem mm-hmm. that's out there rather than saying, I just want to empower women or I just want to help men or I work with teens or trauma, those aren't problems. Like trauma is a little bit, Mm -hmm. but like what are the real problems that you see that someone's like looking for help on? Like divorce or almost getting divorced, that is a problem, that's a major problem. That could be your
0: niche.
1: Yeah. Like you could go on and on, right? Like the mental side, the physical, emotional, mental side of health. That is a beautiful niche. If you could help someone like around the self-care and self-love, by the way, self-care and self-love is not a niche, mm-hmm. but if you can help someone in health who doesn't have those things and you can become known as the person who like addresses the deep emotional mental side of health or fitness or weight loss, how mm-hmm. powerful would that be rather than just saying, oh, diet and exercise.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like framing it that way that because you are solving a problem and when people are looking for support, they're looking for someone to help them solve their problems. Um, so I love framing it in that way. And once people have, have decided on that, um, how, how do they usually go about getting clients? Cause I know it's probably a little bit different than getting therapy clients. Um, but is, are there certain recommendations that you would have if you're starting out in coaching or consulting and, and how you market and advertise and get the clients?
1: Yeah, that's probably the most important subject. Cause if you don't have clients, you don't have a business or you don't have a practice. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of people do, I'll share just like the common advice and wisdom out there in therapy anyway, is like, put yourself on psychology today, which is great. Maybe create a Yelp page, maybe get a website, maybe create a Facebook page or an Instagram page, just create all these things. And then, then what, like, where do the clients come from? And then, you know, people wonder why they're not having the clients they want while they're doing all these things, but none of those things directly bring you clients. Some of them can work. Sure. Uh Like a website, for example, like that takes years to build up and actually get people to see it. Cause you could have a website that's beautiful, but no one sees it or same with any of the other sources. So, you know, the other option is paid marketing. Like that means running a Google ad or a Facebook ad. But then again, that's like, it's so easy to waste thousands of dollars on that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But here's, what's cool is if you can build an actual brand, like I know you're really good at like helping people like actually be seen in a way. And so like they get... A lot of clients with these sources so you have to become known like how do you get clients well you have to become known as something as a specialist at, in a niche because marketing all marketing really is is psychology it's like understanding customers understanding people and so if you understand the psychology of customers what are they needing what are they looking for what do they want and then you can get in front of them then a website's amazing because you put the right words on there that speak to someone that says oh i need that what You know what Cindy shows on her website, like that's amazing, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then here's what's great is if you get down the psychology, you understand your clients, you understand their needs and their problems and their fears and their desires. You could do something as simple as make a little video. And there's this formula I use. Like I teach a client to like make a video that just it might be five minutes long, but what it does is like speaks to your ideal client, and it's totally free to put up a video on Facebook. And even if let's say 50 people see it, if you get one client out of that because you like spoke to their needs and then they reach out to you and say, oh my gosh, your video spoke to me, I need help. That's free marketing right there. But Mm -hmm. that could turn into thousands of dollars if you do this consulting coaching model.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of times word of mouth is really powerful. And just thinking about Facebook I mean, some people may have a few hundred friends or even a few thousand friends on Facebook, and there's nothing saying that you can't share something about your business on your personal page. Um, I mean, I usually keep it to my business pages, but every now and then when I'm doing something new or I have something to share, then I will post something on my personal page and it gets a, a lot of great feedback. So it would be nice to be able to let your friends and family know what you're doing. And they may know of someone that could really benefit from your services, or they may share your videos. So I think that's a great marketing tool.
1: That's powerful. I like what you said, because referrals and using your family and your friends and not using, using them, but like using them as a resource, Mm -hmm. because if you're putting yourself out there and. You know, you have to stop hiding and it's a challenge because I know a lot of us are introverts, but if you do put yourself out there on Facebook or something, and maybe you make a little video and, you know, there's techniques to get over the fear of that as well. But let's say you make a little video or even do a written post in a certain way, your family or your friend or your, you know, your cousin or that old friend from college that might be like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you're doing that. And what are they going to do? They can say, oh, my sister needs you or my dad needs you or whatever, because you're out there, you're talking about what people are going through. You're offering, this is called educational marketing. You're like educating people on the challenges of life. And if you do that enough, there's a famous saying in marketing that's like, if you can explain the problem as well or better than they can, they're going to look to you for the answers. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I like that. I, I think it's really great because once you're... know, I love what you said about picking a niche, that it's not just women or men or teens. It's it's about the problem that you're helping to solve. And then you can build upon that um, by making a video talking about the problem that you can help people solve and and sharing it with others. And people are going to find you. But I think it is so important about being visible because that's something that I've really struggled with. And even just this podcast is a huge deal for me because I'm a big introvert and sometimes afraid of being seen and putting myself out there but it's it's important like if you have a business that runs on people finding out about you and seeking you out for support it's so important to do that and i feel like we're doing our clients a disservice by not letting them know who we are and what we do because if you have a certain specialty that someone's looking for and they can't find the right fit but you might be it if you're not telling people about it they're going to miss out on you
1: Yeah. You can't help anyone. If you're, you're hoping just to be a kind of a secret and someone just happens to stumble across your website or just happens to stumble across your Facebook page because you can't be a best kept secret and expect clients to come to you. Like, especially right now when we're recording this 2021, the world is online. It's an online economy. Like Mm -hmm. you can't just like put up like one little thing and not show your face and just hope you have like this, you know, secret source of clients come to you. Maybe if you've been in business a long time and it's 100% referral-based, that's awesome. If you have that, amazing. That's so rare, though. Like, Mm -hmm. you have to be visible. You have to put yourself out there. This was hard for me. I'm a natural introvert, too. I've learned to be very extroverted and, like, a good communicator. But that was a learned skill. Like, I recharge by being alone.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely have to put on um, my my business face sometimes. And a lot of people will give me that feedback. Like, Oh, I would have never known that of you, but it's like, well, it's taken a lot of, lot of work and a lot of um, just practicing over and over again and putting myself out there. So sometimes you um, you know, yeah, sometimes I think it is just putting on that face and it's like, okay, I'm going to do this uh, and I'm doing it because I want to help people. So that can be a big motivator uh, because you're looking at, what, what's going to happen as a result of you putting yourself out there, people are going to find out about you and you can help so many more people.
1: Yes, That's the key is like, keep your clients in mind. Cause what I don't want anyone to do. And I, I hate the like weird salesy, inauthentic, like look at my cool car or look at my Pinterest house or my, my Instagram perfect family. Like don't do that. Don't mm-hmm. be inauthentic. Don't be this weird, cheesy, like, you know, video life that a lot of people see and they think, Oh, I have to be that. So I don't want to do any marketing. No. You could be a quiet, nice introvert. You could just make a video, just very soft and gentle and just do be you, but you're still putting yourself out there in a way that's authentic to you. And what that is going to do, that's like, it's going to attract the people that need you. Like the world needs your voice. The world needs your gifts. That's why I love working in this industry. It's like, if I can help a hundred people get themselves out there and find clients, think of the butterfly effect that's going to have like on all their clients. Definitely.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is amazing. Is there anything else you can think of that's important about the conversation that we're having today that you would like for people to know?
1: It's just that knowing this is a possibility. It is possible to do consulting coaching. Even if you don't know what that term means yet, Mm -hmm. you can use your knowledge, your wisdom, your expertise to help people in a different way than therapy and one-on-one counseling and be well paid for it and all you need is a simple strategy. Like you can totally do it. Anyone can do it. Like if you, unless you've lived under a rock or like, or, you know, 13 years old, like you probably have some real experience, some real wisdom that will definitely help people, but you don't have to do one-to-one sessions. You don't have to be in the box of like traditional academic world. You could do so many other things that pays you, but it also helps a lot of people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be so important for people to know that this is a possibility and it's something that you can do. Um, so what would you say, um, how are ways that people can get into contact with you if they would like some more support around this or anything else that you would like to to promote or advertise?
1: Sure. I mean, I'll just give you one simple thing. You know, my business is called The Holistic Business because mm-hmm. that's what I work with, people in holistic businesses. So that's the website, the holistic business.com, but I love community. I love connection. So the absolute best way is just join our free Facebook community. It's a little group, Got like well over 1300 members in there might, you know, be growing really fast and it's called holistic therapists and coaches because it's both people trying to grow and help more people and be paid for it. And I give all kinds of free strategies and tips and actionable stuff. And, you know, plus there's lots of great people in there all kind of on this path and mission.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm a member of the group, and I I really enjoy it. I think there's a lot of great information in there, and uh, yeah, you provide a lot of support for people. So I'll uh, put a link to uh, your website and to the Facebook group in the show notes. Um, but thank you so much for being on today.
1: Thanks, Cindy. It was a lot of fun.
0: During each episode, I'll be giving you one small takeaway, action step, or mindset shift. I call these acorns. Listen to episode zero to get the scoop on what the acorns are all about. The acorn from this episode is that it's okay to not be a full-time therapist in your practice. It's okay to do something a little different. Being a therapist is a rewarding and fulfilling job. We provide support to people during their darkest times, and that is invaluable. It also takes a lot of energy to be present for so much distress and suffering day in and day out. Providing some coaching or consulting in an area that you are passionate about can be energizing, and it may be just what you need to break up your week a little bit. You can still serve the clients that you love to serve, but if you are feeling a little drained, overwhelmed, or even burnt out with being on as a therapist all the time, starting with a little passion project on the side can get those creative juices flowing. You can even do something similar to the work you do with clients so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Maybe you want to create a course, workshop, or membership site to provide further education around the topics that you are so well versed in as a therapist. But provide them in a different setting and in a different format. After my chat with Jesse, I was inspired to do something like this in my own practice. As many of you already know, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist here in North Carolina, and I specialize in working with happy couples through my private practice, AVL Couples Therapy. I adore my work with couples, and I also wanted to mix things up a bit and do something different and a little more educational because I love to teach. So I created the happy couples relationship school where I offer an eight week program for couples. The program takes all the information that I have learned in my 10 plus years of study on healthy relationships and presents it in a fun, educational and comprehensive way that includes relationship coaching and a supportive online course component through the happy couples relationship school. I can connect with couples all across the world and provide the support they need to have thriving and successful relationships. I hope it was helpful for me to share how I've taken Jesse's message and applied it in my own business. I'd love to hear from you. If you are thinking about adding a consulting or coaching component to your business or thinking about doing something a little different with the addition of workshops, courses, or membership sites, find the post for this episode over on Instagram at mountain practice journeys and leave me a comment. As I outlined in episode zero, I'll be alternating between a fun fact and what I'm digging segment with each new episode. The fun fact for this episode is that What We Do in the Shadows is my absolute favorite TV show. I discovered it during 2020, and it was an absolute gem in the muddiness of that year. It brought me laughter, silliness, and joy. It's a mockumentary of the lives of vampires who live on Staten Island and have been roommates for over 100 years. Nendor, Laszlo, and Nadja are vampires. Colin Robinson is an energy vampire, and Guillermo is Nendor's familiar. There's also a movie by the same name, so I would recommend watching the movie first and then digging into the TV show. What we do in the shadows is my kind of humor and has me laughing out loud, and hopefully it will do the same for you. Thank you so much for joining me today on your private practice journey. For episode 13, I'm going to talk about how to niche your therapy practice, as well as how you can niche when you're not yet sure who your ideal client is. There's no way you can know how much it means to me that you choose to join me here as I share all things related to private practice. Please subscribe so you don't miss a step. For more information about this episode, visit the show notes page at mountainpracticejourneys.com slash podcast. I truly appreciate you trailblazers. Your mountain is within reach. Journey on. a lot of people do think about this and really want to do it, but they're just not sure, um, what that would be like. So maybe this will inspire some people to, um, to do a little bit more consulting and get out of that, you know, one-to-one therapy, um, thing that's just burning them out.
1: Yeah. I read an interesting stat recently that's like in CBI, I think it's, that's what it is Nat- Nat- national behavior health Institute or something like that is something like 60% of mental health practitioners actually leave the field over time, over their career because they're burnt wow. out.
0: Yeah. That, because that makes doing, so much it's all
1: trading time for money, one-to-one sessions or doing something like deep work, like trauma or divorce or like mm-hmm. child abuse. Like, oh my gosh, like 60%, that's a huge number. Yeah. Like, that's too bad. And then these are heart centered, like good people. I know. Cause I talk to them all the time. So it's like, we need to find a balance. All of us like as in like mental health, I think.
0: Yeah. And just thinking about, um, how many people could stay, in uh, the business of therapy, if they maybe would do a little bit of coaching and consulting on the side, so they don't get burnout, just having a balance oh, of that. Wacky. And maybe some of that 60% that lead the field, maybe it wouldn't be that high if they could balance that with something else that maybe was a little bit more energizing and less draining Ooh, than some totally. of the really deeper work.
1: Yes. That's my mission right there because you know, I'm, I'm good at my work, like my one-to-one work, but I feel like this is kind of like somehow I stumbled upon it. So grateful. I have like, this is my mission. Mm -hmm. Like if I can help all these people, like not burn out and not leave the field, like, Oh my gosh, I was talking to a woman the other day. She's like, yeah, I help people who've like been traumatized and sexually abused through their childhood. I'm like, that is huge. Like that is hard work. It's very energy draining to do that work, but so life-changing, literally saving people's lives, Mm -hmm. suicide and everything. Like, If that person, I could help them not burn out, maybe take a few less clients therapeutically, but pay themselves well, still help those people. Like, Mm -hmm. that'd be great.